Welcome to The Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me is producer Daniel for this episode. We're doing kind of a a special little series here, Daniel, that I'll let you set up, but I'm excited to uh, to be chatting with you this lovely evening and to have you and your voice and all of your hair that's not in your head but in your beard <laughs> on the show. Uh, so it, it's the elusive producer Daniel show, and I'm excited about it. It's uh, the more and more less elusive, I think, is how it's going. Uh, good, man. Good, man. Good to see you. Um, actually, I wanted to uh, I wanted to start this series because it was something we had talked about a long time ago, and life, et cetera, gets in the way. Um, so before we got any further, or specifically before you got any further, um, I wanted to sit down with you and discuss the path that you're on. Um, in scuba diving, um, there's the the overview. There's the big picture path, and then there's a the smaller path um, that that you're on. Um, and I won't give any details until you're ready to to start with the story. But um, before we got too far down that road, um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of take two steps back, talk about where you're coming from, up to where you are right now, which is very different than almost cursed almost a year ago. I was um, a year ago this time, I would say it was a very different diver. So um, with that, uh, I would like to hear what's going on with you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So yeah. So, so yeah, man, when we first met a long time ago, well, we won't talk about that oh, story. We won't talk about that. The, where you lost Long me in ago. my open water class? You remember that? Wow! Uh, as a what? DM. No, yeah. that was that was that was a test, and you passed. <laughs> <laughs> so that was DM Daniel, not producer Actually, Daniel. The test was the test was the conversation you had after you came to the service. Oh man, that was not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't we won't go down that story. But that, I got yelled at by the course director and a, a brand new open water diver. I have no idea. I thought I did everything right in terms of searching for a minute and surfacing and, and I got yeah. lit well, into. So it were opinions on, on how that should have gone down. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, you know, it's, it's an interesting story because we, we, we don't have to bag on anybody to tell the story. What's interesting is brand new open water diver. Cause I remember it clearly. And, and I remember in the course that they drove home, like, you know, safe divers take your safety stop. Like, was driven home, right? And that you follow your computer. Those were two things. So I had this weird moment where I searched for a minute in one direction because we I'd lost you and the other teammate in in a in All a right. nice you know kick up of silt in my face, and um, and so I, I looked at my watch. I searched for a minute, and then I was stuck in this conundrum when I got to whatever fifteen feet, which was. Do I take a safety stop or do I not? And my computer saying, take a safety stop. And in my head, I'm hearing this replay of safe divers do a safety stop. And so I decided to do the safety stop thinking I need to be a safe diver. So, so that added whatever, three minutes to my, to my yeah. thing. And then I surfaced. So it was a total of four minutes or whatever it was for five minutes, however, whatever real time was <laughs> in that. So yeah, by, by definition, I was not on the surface in a minute, which was the plan. But that that was totally unclear to me. You know, it wasn't explained to me. It was search for a minute, 
then come to the surface. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say um, potentially some confusion on what the priority is at that point. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that point, you are the lost diver yeah. and you are fine. We just don't know you're fine. Yeah. Um, and so it's your responsibility to let us know you're fine. Yeah. Without, but also in theory, sacrificing health. Yeah. There's, I, I know, know. It was a weird one. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was in retrospect now, looking back, I can see both sides of that equation really clearly. I can, I totally understand um, why that person was the way they were. Yeah. Like, it, I, I totally get that, but I got that at the time. Yeah. This isn't nothing new to me. Like, I, I, I think, uh, I, I feel like that person's probably experienced some things similar, and I was a little surprised at the reaction. So. Yeah. So all the way from there to, to yeah. now, which is the funny part. All uh, right. And, and, um, and I, and I think it's a, it's a great cautionary tale. Like the hey, instructors out there, if you're teaching an open water class, that's a good thing to cover because simply saying search for a minute and then go to the surface doesn't account for the complexity of, I think it was dive three in open water. It was the deepest yeah. I had been, which I think was like 60 feet, which was, you know, a big deal at the time. And you just, there's so many things going through your head that you're not sure how to react. So I reacted in right. the best way I thought. And then, yeah, I got crushed for it. So that was, that was not a great experience. But from there, um, is it the tiniest little, uh, crush your head? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. But yeah, to, to kind of go from there, that wasn't the plan to talk about that, but <laughs> why not to hey. where I am now is, is quite interesting. But I think specifically, now you do the yelling. No, I'm just kidding. Now I'll do the yelling. Yeah, exactly. Now I do the yelling. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think specifically for me in my journey as a diver from that open water class, and I'm glad I continued to going and I, I kind of set myself out in my first hundred dives or so and just experiencing different things. Like I want to go and see what these reefs are all about. I want to go and try, you know, this type of diving, scientific diving. I want to try cameras and blah, blah, blah. Just wanna, I didn't know what I wanted. So I tried a bunch of different things sure. and sure. planned some trips that would have multiple types of diving in one single trip. And for me, the trip that really stood out to me, you know, however many years ago it was, you know, two or three years ago, two years ago, was my first time in a cenote. Was like, uh, oh, yeah. and I, I remember it so clearly. It was in in Dos Ojos, which it means two eyes. Um, I was on what what's called now, or what's been called, the Barbie line, which is it's funny because at the end of that yeah. line is actually a Barbie doll and, oh, a, yeah. and a gator. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny. But I remember getting to go in there and you know guided dive. I'm not a cavern or cave or anything like that. But at the end of that dive was this little swim through, you know, that technically was overhead, um, but didn't seem like it to me, but it felt like I was in an overhead environment. You're kind of enclosed, big, big open, open area to swim through to the next. It was probably, you know, I don't know, 25 yards, 20 yards, if not less. And it just, that environment lit me up. It was like, yes, this is the environment that I want to be in that really, really lights me up for whatever reason, wet rocks, underwater, 
was it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Wet rocks. Wet rocks. Lots of wet rocks. So that set me on a journey to say, look, where where I want to go as a diver is I want to learn how to be in this environment, which means I, I need to become a cave diver. And at the time, you know, the, the idea of being a cave diver was like trying to become a black belt ninja. You know, <laughs> it was so far from where I was in that moment, but I, that sure. really lit me up and, and wa- I wanted to do that. So coming full circle to that journey and that path of improvement and personal skills development, team skills development, all the things that I've been working on, I just last week or two weeks ago finished um, my first really I don't want to say it's my first step, but my first, I would say, official step in that direction, which is completing uh, what's called overhead protocols inside of the agency that I train with, um, which is really the the foundation for then Cave 1 and Cave 2, which is next. And so that, I think we wanted to talk about that and talk about that journey up into this point and, and how, how overhead protocols went and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so who... Uh who was your instructor? Yeah. So I, I've had a, um, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Literally it's been two and a half weeks straight. And this is my first kind of day back from all of that where uh, I took some time off of real work, um, to focus on scuba work. And I, we had, uh, four back to back courses. So some of these I was teaching, some of these I was assisting. And the first one of these I was a student in. And so um, Ben Boss, who's the training director at UTD Scuba Diving, uh, flew across from Denmark. Um, he's from Holland, but he lives in Denmark. He, he, uh, it's a funny story that he told, I think, on the podcast that we had with him. Um, so he flew across and stayed with me for two and a half weeks here, here at our house. And we hubbed out of my um, garage slash shop. So I've turned it all into a shop now. And it is my garage, but it's my shop. It's my scuba shop dedicated to that. And uh, we hubbed out of there. And so he flew in. And I, you know, a lot of people talk about it's the instructor. but That's true in, in a lot of regards. I think agency has something to do with it too because they're, you know, the, the way that they approach training um, and the the sequencing, sequencing of that training is important. But for me, Ben also ran my tech tech one class um, and I just knew this is a guy I can learn from. Um, he's done some incredible dives. The stories that he can tell are, are just phenomenal. And he had a way, uh, I just really enjoyed the way that he instructed. And, and I learned a ton from him in that tech combo class that I took, uh, last year after Dima. And so I knew when I go into the caves, I wanted him to be my instructor. Uh, I want to learn from him. We had him on the podcast. I think it was episode four, right? Yeah, and he's coming right? back to do two more, yeah. which I'm excited about. Yeah. So, um, but we've we've just had some scheduling issues to get him back on the show. But uh, but yeah, he he's an incredible instructor. The way that he uh, explains things and relates things, and and is just a bastion of knowledge, um, you know, and depth to you know. For me, I want to know why. And I'm never, I'm never satisfied with, well, that's just the way we do it. Or that's how I learned it from so-and-so. Or we've always done it that way. Or we've always done it that way. Yeah. Th- those, those answers just don't fly with me. Um, and 
I, I really want to understand the why behind things. And uh, Ben being in the position that he's in and the dives that he's done and, and who he's worked with, I mean, um, and who he's learned from, everything down to, you know, the, the why, for example, you know, we typically cut the little dangly that is on your wings uh, deflate or rear deflate. So, um, mm. right uh, on that valve and tie two knots and we train finding the, the actual valve itself and then basically pinching and then you're going to have that string. And the why behind that, you know, seems like, oh, we don't want danglies, but that's not the case. The why, the ultimate why behind that is those danglies will, can get trapped in that hip D-ring right there. And then when you go to actually dump gas, right, you can't. It's stuck. It's stuck. It's stuck, right. Um, and it causes all sorts of havoc. The crazy part is that was, you know, explained as to why. I mean, every little thing has a why behind it. And it, and it comes back down to either safety and and the lessons that have been learned or it comes down to configuring things for easing the team's burden in, in the dive when there's an emergency or something like that. And Ben came back. He's like, oh, I, got sh- I got a video to show you. And he showed me a, a video of him doing a CCR1 class with the diver. And that exact thing happened. He got it on video where, where that dongle hmm. is trapped and is making it impossible to dump gas in that moment because he can't get it loose of, of the things that are clipped off of that D-ring. So kind of interesting. That is interesting. I would never have, I would never have thought about that. Um, so that's <clears throat> kind of big picture. Let's narrow it down a little bit. Um, talk about the training itself um, because you've, you've had similar training to that before. So how is this different? Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, I think within Thanks. the, <laughs> you're so good at this. Uh, have you done this before? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so overhead protocols, um, the, the prerequisites within the UTD are unified team diving uh, standards and procedures. Um, I think you have to, you know, have, I think something like 75 dives somewhere around there. So, you know, you've, you've gotten the water a little bit, but then I think the prereqs here are essentials, which is UTD's version of, of what other people call fundies. Um, but essentials is really a personal skills view. That'd be fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, fun, yeah. Fundamentals. Fundamental. Um, yeah. It, it's really looking at the, the, you know, balanced rig or, or proper weighting, um, looking at propulsion. So the five different ways or, or techniques for propulsion. It's looking at, you know, personal buoyancy, breathing for buoyancy skills. And it's looking at, you know, your uh, other skills. So five minute ascents and shooting an SMB, the procedures for that, all those things and a basic six. And all these things are, are taxing like SMB basic six are taxing on your buoyancy and trim, right? So, you know, you're task loading a procedure of shooting an SMB but it's really testing not whether or not you know the procedure, but it's testing that buoyancy, balance, trim, why you're task loaded. And so it's a personal skill. So, and my essentials class was a little bit more than that. Um, you know, it was, it was also, uh, it was old school instructor um, who I love to death. Uh, and, and he gave it to us because we, you know, we, we needed more than just a personal skills 
class. And so mm. we, we got, um, we got the heat turned up in my personal one, but, uh, essentials is that. And, and then the other thing that I think kind of gets into the mix of prerequisites is, you know, doubles. So being able to understand the, the configuration of a set of a twin set or a set of doubles, um, understanding how to react to failures on those doubles, um, right. The plumbing that's happening behind your back, all of those things. So those are really the prerequisites that exist for this course. For me, my path was, you know, I went through essentials. I went through a full IDC, uh, and became a dive master first with UTD and uh, I went through tech creational and tech one uh, on a big course. I did side mount, um, you know, technical side mount training on that as well. So side mount doubles. And, um, and then from there um, was presented with this opportunity. And, and the cool part about all this is, you know, my 2023, as you and I have talked about a lot, and I think I've talked about on the podcast, my whole plan for 2023 was I was moving. And I was going to move and get established. That was it. Like move and and get my own personal diving established. And I was going to push cave diving and all those other things that I want to do out to 2024 because I just felt like I don't have the bandwidth to try and plan these things and, and figure it all out. And How's that going? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I've mentioned <laughs> this on um, on another podcast I think we did with Sarah, like my strategy for dive travel often is uh, I, I call it the, the coat tailor. <laughs> like, Oh, you're going on that trip. Hey, can oh, I come yeah. along? <laughs> you know, yeah. Or, or Hey, you know, I get called and Hey, do you want to come on this trip? Yeah. You've already, how much does it cost this? Okay. You've already got all the logistics. I got to book a flight and show up. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. And so this Basically. is kind of the same thing where it was, I mentioned it to Ben, Ben was coming out here. We had multiple things going on and I said, Hey, well, this is already happening. What do you think about adding OHP to this? And he's like, that's a fantastic idea. And then one of my really good friends who we'll have on the on the show uh, in the next few weeks, I think in four weeks or so, um, Kevin Wood uh, had a clearing in his schedule to come out. So he came and stayed as well. And we did OHP together. And then we have the plan for doing Cave 1 and Cave 2, which is a, a combo class um, in Florida after DEMA. So we're going to go from DEMA is in Louisiana this year. We go from DEMA, drive ourselves down to, to Florida, and then do Cave 1 and Cave 2 um, there in Florida with and, Ben. And Kevin Kevin Wood has a pretty boring day job, right? Yeah, he does. He uh, he, he gets to sit in the cockpit of a B-52 and, uh, yeah. and and train others how to how to fly that thing. So pretty boring. I mean – I love to see pictures that he sends me of, uh, of you take off, you fly, you land. Like what? Yeah. Although I did find out that the B 52 does not have a restroom on board. So there's that. <laughs> Interesting. Isn't that what the bay doors are for? Yeah. It's a, Bombay. The, <laughs> it's, it's gotta be a, be a, you know, pilot's P valve, I think, uh, installed. I was going to say those, don't they have pressurized suits? Just, yeah, basically, I th- I think P is not the issue, and we'll leave it at that. No, no, I, I'm <laughs> different kind of bombs we're talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, so so yeah, <laughs> different kind of bombs. Yeah, we get we'll, we'll ask Kevin about that when he goes on the show. So anyway, so for me, um, <laughs> the fact that this was even a possibility was was pretty awesome. But I know you you asked about 
course, so I can explain the course. But I want to kind of set it up with how excited I was that this is even in the in the mix for 2023. And if things all go well um, and I'm able to perform well, then I will be a full cave diver on my full cave card uh, in November, which is pretty exciting. I mean, not that's not. No. Yeah. You, hey, so um, the dive. Are you willing to uh, humble yourself a little bit? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, always. So, um, I was just talking about a a book I read earlier, and the case studies in that book. um, That's that's my favorite part, and it's probably a lot of people's favorite parts. So, if you had a book full of case studies, it would probably be boring. But they're spaced out just enough at the end of each chapter. But not that you're a case study. But if you could, maybe I don't know, let us know when there was a time when you're like, well, that didn't go well, or. I should have done this and I should have done that or, you know, not that you were surprised you passed, but something along the training that maybe you hadn't been taught yet just didn't go quite the right way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to set this up, um, because it's pretty funny, is the, the way that overhead protocols takes place, this course particularly, is in open water. So we're not actually in an overhead environment. And the goal of this course, it's a prerequisite to either wreck penetration or cave diving, is really to, to teach us the protocols for that type of diving in an open water, quote unquote, safe environment where we can surface in 20 feet of water, surface, talk about it, go back down. So essentially right. the setup here is that a cave, quote unquote, gets built. So a line is run, a main line is run in open water. And we are learning the protocols for following that main line to making jumps, to marking, you know, those jumps to, um, you know, setting a, just even getting into the cave, right? You, you tie, you take a reel and you tie a, a primary tie off and you do a secondary tie off and there's depths and some requirements that we want for that, that are ideal. And so it's, it's learning how to deal with all that to, to read the navigation of a cave or to lay line in a wreck, right? The, the number one rule in cave di- diving is a continuous line to the surface, right? Your continuous line to the surface, a path back to the surface. So we're planning it from, from the exit. And so there's a lot, you know, that you're learning in, in how to read, you know, what do you, what, what do opposing arrows mean? For example, how do we mark our exit side, right? How do we tie into the main line? So there's these, these sorts of things that are happening, right? And it's cool because it's all happening in open water. And so we have a, we can get a ton done in a day. Um, of, of course, the course is I think four or five days, but we can get a ton done over the course of a day because we're not diving down inside of the cave and trying to figure this stuff out. We're, we're doing it right there in open water. And then you're also learning how to deal with failures. So everything from you know, a valve bubbles on the back of your, on your back. Uh, and how do you respond to that as a team? How do you reposition um, to, you know, a lost diver or lost teammate? How do you actually deal with that? What are some protocols there? And to get to your humbling, humble pie here, one of those failures is what what's called a lost line drill. Or what happens if, you lose the line in a no visibility situation. So set the scene a little bit here. We're in open water in San Diego, which 
in our case, we went to this awesome dive site called Marine Room, which is in La Jolla. And the the weird part about it all was that there was surge. So you're dealing with surge, which you wouldn't be dealing with in a cave environment, right? I mean, maybe right. some flow, but you're definitely not going to probably deal with surge unless you're in an ocean cave. And even then, you know, it's not going to be like an open water surge. So the surge would pick up, of course, at the most inopportune times. And you just have to learn when you're diving in surge, as a lot of people that dive in surge know, like, yes, it's going to blow you, you know, 10 feet that way. But then a minute later, it's going to bring you right back. So yeah. just chill out, <laughs> let it do its thing, and then continue. But it makes following the line kind of hard, right? <laughs> and, and all these sorts of things. So it was it was a good challenge, something that um, that we had a lot of fun with for, for all the times that we were, we were diving there. But in this particular instance a lost line drill, the, the protocol for that is simply, you know, get get to the bottom, essentially find something to ground on and you take out your safety spool and you find something to tie off to. And in our case, you tie off that primary tie and you try to find the secondary tie. So that way you have directional view in your search. So you can, you have a line and then from that line, you can say, okay, I'm going to search this way. And then l- literally it's just kind of roll the spool out a little bit, search with your hand, roll it out a little bit more, search with your hand, right? And go as go as far as you think, okay, this is not going anywhere, and then roll it back up, and now you have directional. Okay, search that way, I'll search the other way, right? So on and so forth, until in a lot of ways you get lucky, uh, you know, and unfortunately that's, that's the, there's no protocol for, you know, I can't see and you'll find the line this way. You have to search for it. Right. So to, to do these drills, um, we then get put into a blackout mask. So uh, we, we can't I was going to ask anything. about that actually. Yeah. So yeah. no visibility. So literally we, we get, <laughs> it's always fun to see your instructor pull out the mask and go, Hey, here's the, here it is. And you're yeah. like, Oh man, here we go. So I we, was hoping you were going to forget this part. Yeah. He asked you, <laughs> you know, here you go, put the mask on. So you put it on over, and then when we're ready, you pull it over and then all of a sudden it's all black. I mean, you really can't see anything. Um, and and for me, like I'm sure some people might cheat and have a little, like, you know, I want I want it blacked out because I want to know what this would feel like. And so to to add a little bit more to the mix, um, then we kind of get disoriented. So we get spun around, uh, so we don't, you know, we're disoriented. Like it, I mean, you wouldn't probably get completely spun around in a cave like this, but it's disorienting right. when the lights go out. So it gets spun around, <laughs> flipped upside down, or whatever. And then bam, the drill starts. So boom, okay. I have no idea where I am, right? I have no idea. I'm no sense of what's you know left, right around me. No sense of what's up and down because I breathe myself down to the bottom and go okay. Yeah. And so I start searching, and in this instance, there just wasn't great anything to grab onto that I felt like I could tie off to, and so I'm searching, 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 searching. And of course, as soon as this kind of starts, the search picks up the like search. crazy. Knew it. So yeah. boom, I find something. I found something finally. I'm like a rock. I'm like, yes, this is it. And then boom, I'm blown 20 feet that way. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I hope I come back 20 feet the same way. And boom, I come back. Oh, it's not there anymore. Great. So I'm looking, 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 looking. And I have to admit, like in those moments, even though I know I'm in 20 feet, like logically I know I'm in 20 feet of water. I'm in a blackout mask. You're, everything's fine. My instructor's right there. I knows where I am. Right. 
but you still feel but, that like panic yeah. a little bit that, that rises up. Like, I don't know where I am. I can't see this surge is crazy. Cause I really have no idea like where I am and I can't get this tie off to happen. Like I just can't find something to tie off on. And so this goes on what felt like an hour to me. It's, it's probably three minutes, four minutes when you look at the video, but it felt like <laughs> an hour. And I had a few of those moments where it was just like, okay, stop and breathe, like stop and breathe. Like that panic was, I wouldn't say I'm panicked, but that feeling was setting in of just like, sure, you know, this is tough. And so finally I found a, you know, I tried a few different times to tie off on something and get blown off of it or my tie off, you know, just wouldn't, it wouldn't sit in, in the spot that I thought was working. Finally, I found, I don't know, something that was bigger, like, <laughs> like big, big rock. It felt like, and I just held on, <laughs> held on to it and it blew me this way and it blew me that way. And I'm just, you know, working with my safety spool and got that thing wrapped around that rock, you know, the big old rock rolled it around, tied it off finally. And then I went searching for the secondary tie off and found something and just able to wrap it real quick around there before the surge blew me. And then I go off on my search. No, 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 no. And then I get tapped like, okay, you're out. I never found the line. Okay. And so it felt like I failed. You know, I, I never found the line. Whereas my teammate had found the line in his trill. And we look back at the video in the video review after all this. And again, it felt like. How close were you? The line was uh, like, if, oh. if you're looking at me right now on the video or, or if you're at home listening to or in the car listening to the ra- radio, imagine the big rock. Um, and I went right when I went to go look. I don't know why, but that's where I went. The line was actually tied to the big rock directly to my Stop. left. <laughs> so if I had just like even held onto the rock and done a little search with my left, I would have found the line. Um, but I went Ugh. way off in the wrong direction, which is again, in a no situation, how in the world would you know, you know, because you're disoriented. Yeah. But so that, that one, it, it taught me, it had been a minute since I'd been in a situation where it felt like I, I don't, I don't have, it's not that I didn't have control is that I am not in control of the situation. I'm disoriented. I can't see, don't know where the line is and I can't tie off. And it felt like usually you could force yourself into like, you know, a situation like fine, like breathe out, whatever. So feeling that brought back that feeling of saying, okay, when all this stuff happens, remember the primal thing is to breathe. Yeah. And and stop. And it's okay that you're feeling this, but breathe. Yeah, there's a, a couple things going on there, right? So there's the humility of it all, right? If you are one uh, who thinks they know more than they do, um, there maybe ego is a little bit bigger. And then the water is the great equalizer, right? And if, um, you know, if there would probably be some people out there who, would look back at that video, see that the line was tied off on the left and say, oh, that was dumb. Not that they went right instead of left, but why is the line tied off on the left or not blaming or taking responsibility for themselves? And, you know, how many times has ego or complacency, you know, not to bring it down a notch, but how many times has that killed a diver, right? Because they, they didn't have the proper training going into a scenario that they shouldn't have been in or 
they didn't have the complete training or they just thought everything was fine. They didn't need to do double checks, triple checks, redundancies, any of that. Um, so I, I think it's just a healthy anytime we're in a situation where we're, we're in that situation to learn in the first place. And if we get it right the first time, we're not learning anything. Yeah. So with the failures comes the learning and it always helps to have that, that humble pie every once in a while. Yeah. And I mean, I think on top of that, I think putting yourselves yourself in that situation in a safe environment, right? So experiencing these things in a safe environment gives you then a reference point when this might happen for you. You hope to God it never happens, right? right. And, and you do everything in your training to make sure that you don't end up in that situation, right? Um, in, a, in a complete lost line, no vis situation. Right. But when it happens, my brain and my body have a reference point to refer to, even as you know, far back as whatever this happens five years from now, there's still some experience that I'm carrying with me because I've trained it and will continue to train it. This is not over. Cave one, cave two, we do the same thing um, in, in the environment at that point. So, I mean, I can't, I can't stress enough that for me, when you have experiences or experiential training that, that, you know, one of the rules that I love at UTD is that there are no training dives. All dives are real dives because we're diving. And it's, and that's something that's unique about scuba diving in general is that, you know, when there is no simulator, so if you're learning to fly a plane, you can get in a simulator and crash it 50 times, which is exactly what I'll do when I get in Kevin's B-52 simulator at some point um, because he said what? I could do that at some when point. When is that happening? Because I will be there. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I'm going to crash the plane, but so what, yeah. right? At that point, I'm not in the environment. If you're learning to skydive, you don't start by jumping out of a plane by yourself, right? You're going tandem. You're, you know, now there's indoor skydiving to teach you a lot of the stuff, right? There's all these things. Almost everything else that you train, there's, there's a way to simulate that because it's all on land. But when we do diving, by the nature of diving, we are in the environment. We are under the water. Even if it's 10 feet of water, we're under the water. And so, again, the, the, the value of experience, and there's twofold experiences. One, it happened to me not during training. <laughs> it's one experience. Um, and then another experience is it happened to me on purpose during training and it gives me a reference point. And that's the thing that for me, I value so much is that um, you know, it's not theoretical and it wasn't, you know, me sitting, showing off skills on a line. It's me in the environment as close to what it's going to be minus the surge then building experiential knowledge and reaction to that situation. And I think when it comes to scuba training, there, there is a lot of sit on a line and show me a skill. And that skill doesn't correlate to the real diving because it's simply happening on the line rather than in the actual situation you'd be in. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about the training that I've received is that that training is happening in the context of really diving and, and the instructors are then using the little mistakes that you're making as a team or as a diver 
and showing the logical conclusion of those things. For a stupid example of this, not stupid, but a good example of this is, you know, a teammate of mine was running a really loose line. And if you've ever seen, you know, a spool under the water, a line takes on a life of its own underwater, yeah. right? It just, yeah. it is. So if you run a really loose line as the, the lead diver or as the, the captain who has the reel, you've got two divers behind you who are dealing with that loose line. And if you get a little too close to it, right, the line has a tendency to do its own thing. And sure enough, I got a little too close in one of my courses and and it started to kind of look like it was going to go around my fin. And the instructor used that. It went around my fin. I got stuck right in that moment. And off go my other two teammates down the line, still lining, running their line. And there I am. And he filmed my reaction, their reaction, see what would happen. And, you know, the protocol there is try to free yourself once. And if you can't do it, stay put. <laughs> you know? And my initial reaction was like, okay, I tried to free myself and now I'm sitting here and I know I've got enough gas to sit here infinitely almost for them to come back. But that panic kicks in and I had the, I had the want to cut the line. Were you cavern at that point? Or? No, this was just uh, tech one or tech creational. Oh, um, okay. Actually, I think that was essentials that I happened in. I don't remember exactly which course, but the idea here is that we're running a line, you know, to get back to the exit point on thirds, like you would off an anchor line if, if you know, current's really strong or something like that. Yeah, I've lifted enough uh, pumps. You go down with enough rope that if it's not, if you don't have control of that rope, it's just, and then and then you can't just go, oh, let me just grab it and coil up because then <laughs> it it will get you. It'll it'll take you. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, uh, I think, and I've listened to enough podcasts on any kind of training, um, that the harder you train or, um, maybe not the harder you train, but the more variables you have in your training, then when something actually happens, it's not as difficult or you've been there before. Or so the surge in your training you're never likely to come across that when you're not, at least not in that intensity in, in a cave necessarily. No. So that was sort of an element that if you can do it with that surge, just remember to go left, not right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll, you should, should be easier, should be when you actually come across that type of situation. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's, I don't think the attempt was to make it artificially harder. It just, that was the logistics of how things worked out, sure. you know, yeah. um, and, and you deal with, with it as you want to deal with it. Um, and I'm, I'm still learning San Diego in terms of where to dive. So, you know, find us a 20 foot clear water and calm water spot. I mean, it didn't exist. <laughs> I tried, uh, you know, and, and uh, I mean, we had to do all kinds of interesting things to, to build the cave out uh, with lots of sandy bottom areas that, that don't have places to tie off. Um, so, so it was a challenge in that regard because I just don't know the area well enough to, to say here. I got to know it over the course of two weeks. We dove in a lot of different locations and checked them out for training, um, you know, dive sites. But yeah, I mean, I, again, I think, I think the value of experience 
get seated. I mean, it, I kind of think of it as like um, maybe a good analogy here is the flu shot, right? In the sense that you're you're giving. I mean, you know, not to go into the science behind flu shots, but essentially you're giving a uh, or to make a stand because I know there's a whole anti vax yeah, yeah, yeah. not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about the the analogy. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're, 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 you took a left instead of a right. You're supposed yeah, to go exactly. Yeah, you're, you're giving up the disease, whatever it is, right? Well, let's right. just use the right. flu because everyone knows live virus. a live right. virus. In, in a way to then train your body, your immune system to be able to fight that. So that the, you know that's the 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 science behind that, whether it be COVID or flu or whatever or things that people want to, wh- wherever you stand on vaccinations, the, the science behind it is you give a little bit to train your body and immune system, how to fight it. And that's will prevent you from getting more sick is the, is the logic there, the scientific logic. Right. So in training within a real dive and not on a line demonstrating skills that gives you some of that same live virus quote unquote in a safe environment within the context of your instructor. And and again, in this case in 20 feet of water, not actually in a cave buried somewhere deep, um, not deep in a cave, but you know, deep if you're in Florida, most of the caves are deep or whatever. We're in a very safe environment. It gives you that, immune response to the problems or the failures that may arise or the things that you might face. Now, it's not to say that then we don't go into the cave and actually do these things there. That's what cave one and cave two is about. But in the introduction to it in overhead protocols, or for example, when we're doing a tech one dive, I mean, Greg and I told this story on the last podcast about, you know, um, you know, the, the deco bottle getting stolen from Greg because Greg and I thought oh, we yeah. were smarter than our instructor yeah. and we weren't. And, um, <laughs> but that's a real situation. Those things can, can come off for a lot. It's a lost ego. He'd make a great pickpocket. I think. Oh, I think so. I, I think that's where he yeah. learned it all. I mean, assuming he's not already. But. Yeah. I have to, I have to check my, uh, my safe here <laughs> since he stayed with me for two right. weeks. Yeah, check, kidding, your <laughs> check for all my watches. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's a situation that then we dealt with it. It was like, Oh, <laughs> you don't have a deco bottle. At first it was jarring. And then after we dealt with it, it was funny because you're kind of like, geez, yeah, he got us good on that one. But now I know if I one to observe the full diver before you call a deco stop and make sure they have the bottle because yeah. we could have caught it a lot earlier. But then two, yeah. I have experience in saying if this ever happened in real life, how do we react to it? It's the same thing, you know, in now over or, you know, in a lost line how you react to it. I mean, hopefully the surge isn't throwing you everywhere, but eventually I figured it out. Eventually I figured out how to talk. And if I had another five minutes, I probably would have found the line. Right. And, and sure. you just cut, cut the drill because I got the point. Right. So again, the, the value of real experiences in a safe environment is a lot like giving a little bit of the virus in a safe dose so that your immune response, or in this case, your your emergency response to dealing with those things, um, you know, our bodies know what to do because they've seen it before. Same thing becomes true in your scuba training. 
our bodies and our minds. That's something that we don't really use when we're fighting a disease is we can't, well, again, we're going to get into the whole thing, but you know, we, we don't fight well, the I mean, disease can, with our mind, uh, positive thinking. You can remain positive and it yeah. should certainly help it. Um, but then you have uh, the mechanical, if that's the right term. If something goes wrong, like if you say, all right, this is going wrong, here's the mechanical um, process in which to fix it. But then there's a variable that could be added into that, like a silt out. So you've got a problem. You've got an air problem, a gas problem, but now you're in a complete silt out. So you know how to fix it if you could see it, but now you can't see it. So again, the harder you train or the more you train, the more difficult the training, when something happens, then you're just better prepared to deal with it. Yeah. And I think one of the things to that point is, is that there are, at least I've learned, there are protocol divers that will react or you can become, let me put it this way. You can become a protocol diver, which is a rote response to a problem. If that makes sense. So yeah, you, sure. you have a protocol to solve the problem and that's it. And I, one of the things, again, I appreciate in the training I've received is the goal is not the protocol. The goal is, is the thinking diver and the thinking team. Yeah. And so the reaction then becomes about the brain and how we're processing this together, then it, then it does the protocol. And one of the things I appreciated in, in some of the training I got was look like the, there isn't a wrong way to solve the problem. If you get out, there are simply more efficient ways that we can solve problems. So if yeah. you decide to do a, a gas share on a fixable right post and exit the dive, okay, you got out. You plan for it in your gas plan, great. But more efficient would be, why don't you just fix the right post? All you have to do is screw in the first yeah. stage and you could have continued your dive and instead you spend all that money or whatever effort to get down there. That lends itself to the control of the emotions and the panic. And um, you know, if you have enough people, then I would imagine the dynamic is is able to, depending on each one's responsibility, is able to solve that problem, right? But if you if you're diving with a single buddy, and you know maybe you've dived with this person for years or just a lot of dives, but you've never had a problem, you've never come across a situation that required um, some nuance to your problem solving, and then you know you don't know what's going to happen until it happens, and then that could be it could be the equivalent of sharing gas and going to the surface the equivalent could be bolting to the surface because yeah. that's just where my brain goes. I'm just going to go because I know there's air. My buddy will be okay or whatever the case may be. So the training um, it's, and it's hard to train in that situation. If you don't have the right, I guess, structure, the right infrastructure for that sort of thing. Yeah. But I think if you asked every scuba diver, a yes or no question regarding training, just make up a question. It'll probably, you'll probably get the same answer because no scuba diver should ever be like, I'm good. I mean, I'm good. If I, if I dive within this environment, then I don't need any more training. Well, that's not entirely accurate. You know, you should always be, I mean, every dive is a training dive, but if you're diving at 30 feet and going south for 2000 kicks and coming back, it's like, you know, what, what's going to happen? Who are you diving with? The environment might be the same, but 
you know, maybe you had, uh, I don't know, maybe you had a couple of drinks last night and it's going to affect your reaction on this dive. And then well, anyway, a million different um, scenarios there, but I think training is key no matter what. Yeah. And, and I think being open to, you know, looking at it more as a continuation rather than a, a checklist. It's a lifestyle, not a diet. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, I, I mean, for me, I've, I've trained technical diving. I've done technical diving. I know how to react to a failure on my twin set. But even I need to be put in that situation because I can take 100 dives on my twin set and nothing goes wrong. And then I get back into training, right? And boom, you go, oh, yeah. Is it right or left? What, what, what do I need to do? And although I know what to do, I haven't done it in a hundred dives because I haven't had that, that reality. Like when, when there's a failure in, in tech, you know, it, or even in, in the silver protocols, there's a, you know, an instructor brings down the air gun and you don't see it coming. And all of a sudden psh, you hear the bubbles exactly how it would be. Um, and, and again, you, you can do as many valve drills as you want and think through those things. But then when the bubbles come, which is something you don't want to go and simulate yourself. Like let's break the right. manifold to, just so I can make sure I'm trained yeah. on this. So it's, so it's a continuation. It's not like check. I know how, what to do if I hear bubbles on my right side, it's continuing to train those things on an ongoing basis and to put yourself in those situations. And yeah, it might be as routine now for me to, which is not, I'm not saying that, but it might be as routine now for me to, to deal with a manifold failure as it would be for me to deploy a, a backup light, for example. Um, but it's still something I should be doing in part of the training. And some of that stuff, you, you just, I can, I can simulate a light failure all day long and deploy a backup light and deploy a second one. Um, and that's easy enough to do, but, but simulating bubbles coming out uh, of, of which side and making a guess it's a little harder for, for that. And so I look at it as, you know, no matter where, where you are in your diving or wherever I am in my diving, wherever I think I am, it kind of comes back to the, the immutable truth of scuba diving is as soon as you feel like you're on the high horse, get ready for the yep. fall. And that's, yep. that's a lifestyle choice to continue to put yourself in the situation to feel the fall and not, not get, I think Gareth Locke talks about, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he talks about it in the same way, but the, the idea being risk homeostasis where, yeah, you do the same 30 foot, 60 foot dive or man, yeah. if you're a tech diver, you do the same, you know, 200 foot dip on the same boat uh, every month and it gets comfortable to the point where you, you are normalizing the risky things that you might be doing when you change the environment or you change the conditions or you change the visibility, which are part of the conditions, so on and so forth. Now you're dealing with something that that presents a different risk, and it's not just the dip in Lake Travis and swim, to, you know, say hi to Jim the Rock and Fran the Rock and the other Rock that you know. You know, you want to be able to train for those situations that that again we're we're in the wild. It seems odd that if you do the same dive for a year, once a week, in your mind you think. Theoretically, people will think or do think nothing's going to happen because nothing happened the last exactly the last time, the last five times. But in reality, 
it should be absolutely be the other way around. You're just getting closer and closer. Like if you never get your reg set serviced, it should be closer and closer to it failing. So I don't know why we, it's weird that we think that, Oh, it didn't happen last time. It's not going to happen this time. Yeah. Like equipment or, or buddy checks in, um, I think is what a lot. Oh yeah. You're fine. You look good. We're good. Yeah. That's the, the prime example in my mind. There are so many things that can be solved in an equipment match and prevent it. Yeah. Yeah. Before you ever hit the water. Yeah. That the fact that, that those get skipped over because I'm an event is, is a case in point to what you're saying is the, the more and more we normalize the fact that we didn't do a buddy check last time and no one died. Therefore we don't need to do a buddy check this time because no one will die. Right. It's kind yeah. of the, the logical the logic behind it all is exactly what you're saying. You're hurtling closer and closer towards the sun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like you're going to get burned. Yeah. Like that's, I was actually coaching one of my students in, we ran an essentials of tech course. Um, ben and I co- co-taught that. And, you know, we were getting into the weeds with this particular student about um, waiting. And it's an easy place to get into the weeds because, um, you know, you start to know, when you, when you go through some of the training that we're doing, you actually know that when you're a pound or two light, it's crazy, but you, you know that, mm-hmm. and you actually learn like the exact waiting for your, you know, undergarments or your, your wetsuit, whatever you're diving and the exact waiting we measure, right? What does your rig actually weigh underwater? We, we use a fish scale and measure it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so she was kind of going down the rabbit hole of down to the pound. And I said, look, like, I get it. Um, that, that's a really good like thing to think about, but it's also like chasing the the white dragon or whatever the whatever the phrase is. Right? <laughs> is that like look conditions? You know, did you eat a big meal last night? You know, like you, yeah. you, you have a little more bioprene maybe the, today, or you know, <laughs> did you you know is it colder? Are you did you change undergarments? Are you diving the same twin set or is it you know you you switched to aluminums right? Back to the back to the the bomb topic. You haven't yeah. You haven't released dropped any bombs uh, in, yet. In a while. Yeah. You, you haven't your B fifty two hasn't been out, <laughs> out of the out of the hangar yet. Um, you know whatever. So so waiting is going to be variable. You, you know salt water, yen, whatever <laughs> thirty five. Yeah, sure. Like I mean, it, it changes, it shifts, and so like you want to be within a range. We know our lungs are about four pounds. We can we can deal with on a shift with our lungs. So we want to have a, a range. Now, if you dive in the same place, a hundred dives every year, yeah, you should know you're waiting for that spot. But if I'm on a yeah. boat, I'm going to take the first dive and go like, Ooh, I feel a couple pounds light. Let me throw a couple more pounds on. Right. I want to be within that range. I said, the, the, but the things to obsess over are the things that there are no variables to an equipment check or, or a buddy check. There is no variable. You either do it or you don't. And that's something to obsess over and to be obsessive about, right? And doing it the same way over and over again so that it becomes something that that you are disciplined in doing. Gas planning. We we can't change the amount of gas we have under the water. I mean, I guess we can if we've staged bottles and things, but but if we haven't done gas planning and we're not clear about is this a half usable, all usable, thirds usable situation and what rock bottom is. Which in our in my language, rock bottom is enough gas to 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 take two divers to the surface or to the next available gas source in a in a no gas available situation. 
that's something that, that, that there is no variable to really, unless the dive plan gets completely screwed at some point for whatever reason. And then we're able to do that recalculation or water as a team. So those are things to obsess over is the things that, that are, um, I think that are relatable back to that risk homeostasis, which is to say not normalizing things that are super simple that we skip that turn out to be super risky. Yeah. Um, so what's next? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of, a, a lot of topics in this one. This is a good, a good, uh, a good one. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, I'm, I'm super happy. So I, I passed overhead protocols, which is really kind of a pass fail. It's not a certification, but it's a prereq class. So I'm cleared for the next step. And so after DEMA this year, um, which is in, I think I already mentioned is in New Orleans. Um, We're going to go down to Florida and uh, excited about hubbing out of, uh, out of cave country there. And uh, we are going to do cave one and cave two, which is um, both of them. Yeah. If you look at UTD's standards, uh, cave one is really the only, I think it is the only, course that has a time limit on it in terms of like if you're certified cave one it expires it's the only one that expires oh oh not the course itself no no like, it ex- like it's an test. expiring okay. certification and the reason that cave one is even in uh, in the standards from what i understand is because it's it's taking into account if like a hurricane comes through and we can't finish full cave or something like that at least you can get into the environment and practice and so it's it's a gotcha. rare certification. So cave two is full cave, um, full navigation within the cave, um, no decompression and obviously not a rebreather yet in the cave. Um, but, uh, that's cave two is full cave. And so the way that it's done is cave one and cave two are combined, or I forget how many days, five or six days in the environment. Um, and so that will be November. What is, what's the course with, full cave and decompression? Um, I have to look it up. I, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I think that um, cave two introduces um, – I'd have to look it up. I think it introduces okay. either – I don't think it introduces decompression, um, but it introduces, I think, stages – I have to look it up. I don't remember. I don't know off the okay. top of my head. No, I'm just curious. But yeah, cave two. Just curious. So, so that's one part of my. And so, by the end of the year, again, if, if all things um, go according to plan in terms of my performance and you know, and not a whole lot of risk, I think in that part of the country for for that time of the year um, of not being able to finish because of the environment, then at the end of this year, um, I will have I, I will have achieved my first scuba goal. Um, which was to become a certified cave diver. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about that. At least six months in advance. At least six months in based, advance. Based on your original plan, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have one awesome, other, man. other. Oh, okay. So the other other um, is there is a – and we'll see how this all plays out. But the other thing that I've been moving towards – so. My first goal in, in diving was after I saw, was in at Cenote was, was to get cave certified and to be able to be in that environment. 
And as time has progressed in that, my ultimate goal has been to explore. Like that, I want to get to a place where I can explore. And I've done some of that, um, but certainly not to the extent that I would like to. And the idea with exploration is that there are lots of tools available to you and you want to be able to utilize the tool that is best suited for that job. So whether that be, you know, single tank, you know, back mount, doubles, doubles and, you know, stages, decompression diving, cave, whatever it would be, that that my skill set and my ability to use these tools wouldn't hamper the exploration. So whatever the exploration needs, I can utilize that tool. That's been kind of the the putting tools in my backpack view of of my training and 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 all that. So one of those tools that has become extremely relevant to me now that I'm in San Diego and have done some diving here has been, hey, like there's some really interesting things that are deep here and gas um, and and gas mixing now become limitations to being able to see what those things are or to explore those things down there or whatever. Not, I'm not exploring like it's never been seen before, but exploring for myself. And so there are a lot of applications here that a rebreather makes sense um, as the tool to use to go and make those types of dives. As, um, sorry to interrupt the flow. Does, does Jack dive? Rebreather? He does. Uh, I believe okay. he I is I'll, on I'll a, that. Oh, he told me, I don't want to misspeak for him, but I think he's on a kiss sidewinder if I believe, okay. um, or he's on a kiss rebreather and he's configured for backbound. I don't remember, but yeah, some of some of these other folks, which is yeah. that I've dove with are also on rebreathers, whether revos or, or other. And, um, and so one, I have people that I can die with and two, there are clear applications for that tool um, here uh, that, that, would be super interesting to me. So anyway, yeah, I, for sure. in the long, long story short, there is a, a maybe, um, or, a a likelihood, <laughs> put it that way, um, that that training could also take place, uh, early December, um, after cave. We'll see if that's going to be the case. And, and there's a lot sure. of logistics to work out uh, on that. But um, but I'm kind of settling in on, and I'm sure we're going to get a ton of comments on this. So feel free to leave me your opinion. Um, I'm taking <laughs> it all into account right now. But so far in my research and and things, um, you know, I've really uh, been drawn to the SF2, the Scuba Force SF2 rebreather back mounted. Um, there's also a configuration to convert that into a side mount unit if needed. Um, and I just really love the simplicity of that unit. And what it, what it kind of looks like. And this is why I'm saying there's going to be a thousand comments of everyone has their opinion. Maybe you could wear the SF2 shirt every episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, yes. That's, I'll call them to get that. Um, <laughs> yes. I'll wear that one or my, uh, my, uh, my light monkey shirt when I eventually get it. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah. but yeah, so that, that's an, a possibility awesome. as well, awesome. which is, Again, all these things were not in my plans for 2023. I, I literally thought, and I still, you know, my ultimate plan is to get established here. And that's well, shoot, man. Then what's happening in 2024? Dive, man. I, my, my, one of my applications for rebreather diving is uh, I mentioned it on uh, the Desert Island Dives, not the archaeology edition, but the other one. 
which is the the big O, and um, oh. the, the the swim through oh. in the hangar bay, so, you know, the risk and eat. Yeah. So that's a a perfect application for a rebreather because um, for many reasons. But well, that would be a good one. If you don't take video, you will have to go back. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and so. the, and then the highlight too. I forgot to mention the highlight from these last two weeks, um, which was super fun during our essentials course that I was instructing. Uh, on the last day, we were doing some more dives together, um, and we decided to go to La Jolla Cove. And um, right now, it's well, it's always the case that there are sea lions and seals there. Oh yeah, I saw the video. Yeah, but right now there's That's... a lot of uh, they're pupping as well, or the pups are out. Uh, and so we got to take, uh, you know, some, some, a lot of fun diving with the, the sea lions. And did you, uh, did you notice that? I mean, our, our mama, our mom's protective of their pups or it's hard to read. Like I was asking actually, um, uh, one of the buddies I made, um, is a lifeguard. I think he's a lieutenant or some high up in the lifeguard about that how to read their reactions because they're because that one video came right at you snapped and then left yeah so 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 some people read that when you see that video as they see the bubbles and they're blowing bubbles along with you uh. other people and the way i read that video was hey get the heck out of my space it looked like a false charge i mean it looked like a yeah like get like out of here bear false charge. yeah like yeah. that's how how i read it um, and I fully sure, didn't expect a safer way, uh, a safer way to read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, we, it's a wild animal, so, you know, you, you, you don't know. And we weren't like, Oh, you mean I shouldn't go up to it and take a selfie right next yeah. to something. That's and you actually see this. Pounds. I mean, it's, it's wild, but, but no, we were, we were in a respectful, like we didn't go chasing them. We, we let them kind of, when we saw them, let them, have their space and try to capture. I have some other video I'll have to share, um, which is beautiful of them in, in their own space playing and things. But then sure, there, there's sure. lots of stories of, of the divers have here of, of the sea lions coming and pulling on their fins and, you know, being playful yeah. in the sea. So, you know, you don't know. And it kind of comes back to the whole thing of like better safe than sorry. And so yeah. uh, with all marine life and all aquatic life, you know, take pictures. Um, don't put your hands on. Uh, don't you know? Go chasing, chasing something in its in its home environment um, that makes it feel threatened. I, I tell my girls all the time. You know, if you if you leave something alone and give it space, and it's going to do the same to you, and you know all that. And um, but yeah, that video that, I, that we got a bunch of them, but that one in particular that you're mentioning, I read that as like. Don't yep. you're not welcome here, but others saw it and said, "Oh, they're blowing bubbles um, because they see your bubbles." And these are experienced. Art, so I don't know, but I, I'll tell you okay. what I didn't do was go and chase that sea, sea lion. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Good luck in keeping up. <laughs> oh, I know they must just be behind us, being like, "Look at this idiot!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're so graceful. In the so super highlight. And if uh, if you're out there and you're wanting to to dive with sea lions here in San Diego, I, I'm happy to jump in the water with you if you make that journey or you live here. Um, it's it's an awesome experience. It really was because, I mean, they're everywhere sure, and sure. beautiful kelp forest uh, around that side of the cove and really nice diving. The visibility on that particular day was pretty good. We got in another day, um, you know, a few days later and the visibility had just 
gone to just you know, gone, bad. Yeah. Um, so it depends on the day, but yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, I'm, I'm super excited. And uh, I am going to ask that you share more pictures than you do. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good. How about that? It's a good. Uh, I was going to ask you that while we're not recording, but on the recording, I'm going to say, I need more pictures. I know, I know. I'm, I'm trying. I really am. And I did, I actually did post <laughs> for myself. I did share a lot of posts yeah. on Instagram. So for yeah. myself, that was a lot, but it definitely wasn't enough. Yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> Twice a year, I think, is what you do. It's about Yeah, right. I need to get better at it. So, so, hey, if you're a social media expert out there and you know a good regiment to, to get me, to train me in that social media environment um, of how to be more disciplined, I would appreciate a shout-out um, to me and a kick in my rear to get that stuff yeah. done. Uh, me too, actually. So yeah. we'll, we can Zoom with that person. Yeah. Conference call. Exactly. <laughs> Cool, man. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, I like how uh, 2024 is not not happening the way you planned it and in a good way. Um, I hope, hope the house is settling in. You're settling into the house. All of the above. So, yeah, glad uh, glad we got this down uh, for posterity. That's right. Yeah, and I think maybe it would be fun to do. I think this was your idea to do one when Cave 1 and Cave 2 are – Oh yeah, yeah. This is a series. We'll, we'll turn this into mini series here. Be fun. Jay's Yellow Brick Road, or maybe the red one. No one knows where the red one goes. Do you see yeah, that? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I, like saying. I said, I'm super blessed and and surprised that this was even an opportunity this year. And I said, I, I'm really thankful to um, my my good friend Kevin Wood as well because he's. I took on the planning for OHP and all the things that happened here. Uh, this is my home home base, um, but he's taken on all the planning for Cave One and Cave Two in Florida, and so again, I kind of can ride his coattails on that. And so, I, again, if I had to take on all the planning logistics for all that, I probably wouldn't be doing it just because it's you know one of those yeah, things this sure. year. Um, but the fact that it just dovetails off of Dima, I'm going to be at Dima anyways. Um, you know, it's not too far of a drive down to Florida from there. Like all of it kind of works out and. So I'm thankful to a lot of people who are handling some of the logistics for me to be able to to join in. And then, like I said, if things go well, and which I anticipate they will, um, I don't have any reason to think that they won't. Um, then yeah, then then by the end of this year, I'll be full on cave certified, which is which is a goal for sure. But the bigger goal is to dive in the caves. So then I'll be allowed yeah. to then dive in the caves, and that's going to be yeah. uh, make for a fun 2024. And then if the rebreather thing comes through as well, then there's something to work towards in, in terms of being able to bring that unit into an overhead environment, which is more training. So it's not it's sure. not like you get rebreather and then hey, go dive some caves. No, that's rebreather one is same limits as rec one, hundred feet, you know, open water, yeah. no overhead. And so there's training to do on that unit, hours to put on it to be able to bring in the cave. So you can uh, see I think path. you did you did a hundred feet rec one. You're not supposed to do a hundred. Yeah, well, with dive <laughs> dive five, I think it was like six. Or, hey, let's start at hundred feet. Hundred. I think it was hey, 130. Was let's the go. and I, I, I actually told that story uh, the other day. Nope. I oh. won't tell it now, but I told the story where I was like hanging my my hand down to hit that 130. <laughs> oh, oh! In the, I thought it was the. I thought it was the the compass fail. Oh no! Gosh, that was a whole nother situation. Yeah. But that wasn't deep. That was that was just. Oh, it wasn't okay. No, we were we were mid water at like 
60 feet and 60 feet. Okay. Couldn't see anything and vertigo and yeah. all the other things kicked in. So, but that's a whole Fun different stuff. story. No, the deep yeah. one was, was, well, yeah, we'll have to tell another story. It's not to pick on you, but yeah, I, I remember the first time it was like, Hey, how deep can we go? And you're like, yeah, I've been deep in a long time. Let's, why not? And in my mind, yeah, I'm going, good. oh, well, I'm, I'm with a dive master. Like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm fully safe. And we did. And then there was like, I think there was another buddy separation. And I remember hanging my hand Not down. from me, though. No, no, no. We Not lost some Not other that time. guy. Yeah. Who, who no, ended because- up, we, lose, we lost him a lot. Not because we lost him, because he would just peel off and do his own thing and then Oh yeah, I, I I remember his name now, but I'm not going to mention it on the podcast. But there was a guy. No, that's fine. He told me afterwards. Yeah, there was a guy. Vaguely. But anyway, yeah. long story short, yeah, I remember <laughs> like getting down to 130 feet on air and hanging my watch down to get it as deep as possible, just to like yeah show it on my you know my computer and just you know no narked out, but just kind of. Okay, that was fun for for five minutes, and now no, I mean, enough gas. I mean, I remember a, a line. There was a line. There wasn't the line go all the way down. Yeah, there or, was a buoy that that a line went. Yeah, yeah. Well, a line went down to another line that went down to another line that yeah. took us all the way down. Yeah. But anyway, all right, man. Well, great catching up. I love you on the podcast. Can't wait for the next episode. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and looking ahead. Um. So so we have the final episode with Greg coming up which uh, I think uh, is going to be great. And then we've got three with Kevin Wood. So he'll come onto the show, which is exciting, and yep. learn a little bit about some of the similarities maybe between B-52 training His boring and, day job. Uh, yep. and scuba. And we have a mm-hmm. ton of stories because we've dove a ton together and been in a lot of these trainings together. So it'll be fun, hopefully fun episodes. And then Ben Boss will actually be back on the show as well um, at some point. We're going to talk about designing trainings for adults, which is going to be interesting and amongst other things. And so. then after that? We don't know. Who knows? We got, we got, we got big questions. <laughs> well, we know we have a couple more of this series of Cave. And uh, yeah. and then we don't know what's going to happen because we, we haven't invited we any other guest co-hosts. I think, I think we know what we want to happen. Yes. But we're not ready to talk about that yet. No, we are not. Yeah, so we, it's been it's been a weird season two. I can't wait to do a season two recap, um, and and just mm. you know talk about how the season has been a very challenging and very rewarding season yeah. at the same time. Sure, but uh, but yeah, it's a lot of practice. It's good practice. It is. Every episode is a training episode. <laughs> 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 that is not the situation you want to be in as a podcast, but I think I think uh, that no, actually like is true has been true. Yeah, of course, it is. this yeah. season, which has Learned been great. something new. I mean, we've we, what's cool about this season, I think, so far has been um, there's been so many different voices, and yeah. you you hear the passion from all of these folks in different areas, and I know for myself, I've learned a lot. And um, not only about diving and about those interests, but about divers and and those how those paths, uh, how they gone down their path and things. And so that's been a really cool thing. And it was it actually is crazy. I didn't tell you the story, but uh, we were at a, a dive shop getting gas fills. And um, the guy behind the counter, I was just chatting with him. And 
So, well, what's your story? Like, what, what are you working on? He's like, oh, you know, my ultimate goal is um, is to be an underwater archaeologist. I kid you not. Those are the words that came out of his mouth. And I probably looked like such a fool because I was like, no bleep. <laughs> You're, kidding. <laughs> You're kidding me. Like, I like yelling at this poor dude. He's, you know, just graduated, like, got his what? master's. He's like, why is this guy yelling? And I was so excited because I'm like, oh, we, we just finished these two episodes with you got to meet this guy, Greg, and blah, blah, blah. I'll introduce you guys. And and we started talking about the stories and, and all that. And so um, I'm, I'm bummed I haven't heard from him. So if you're listening to this episode, dude from Ocean Enterprises, I forgot your name already. Why haven't you reached out, number one? And number two, I know where you work, so I'm going to come and say hi to you. Um, <laughs> but I want to introduce him and Greg, and hopefully he's listened to some of the episodes because it was I love crazy. Greg's uh- – Greg's definition of underwater archaeology. Yeah. Do you remember from the episode? Yeah, it's like... He's like, well, basically everything you do in archaeology, underwater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it caught you off guard for a second. It was a, it was a funny moment. I think I think it's clipped. I think I clipped it up. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, um, I got to run. I've got yeah, a 3am flight. So, so uh, can you uh, take us out? Yeah, let's, let's, let's wrap this baby up. So cool. again, out there in the Scubaverse, thanks for for joining us. Hopefully, <laughs> this was interesting to you, um, but but yeah. a good idea from producer Daniel here. And uh, if you would like to connect with us, please do. You can go to thedivetable.com and send us a message. We love hearing from you and love hearing your thoughts. Uh, especially, I'm imagining I'm going to get a thousand rebreather emails now mm. about why and virus virus and virus comments. comments yeah. yeah, yeah. I did not say I was an anti-vaxxer. Or four vaccines. Nope. I just explained the science, but I'm sure yeah, I'm going to uh, But <laughs> reach out to us, um, the, the divetable.com. Also, if you are interested in learning more about the training that I've been on or the training that I provide as an instructor, uh, you can go to gardnerunderwater.com. It's gardnerunderwater.com and reach out to me there uh, or wherever. Uh, I'd love to talk about that stuff. And as always, we are a production of Fish Dive Surf Inc. And so if you want to learn more about waterway conservation and the connection between fishing, diving, and surfing, go to fishdivesurfinc.com and you can reach out to Daniel. That's just fishdivesurf.com. Oh, sorry, fishdivesurf.com. Right. Um, the yeah. ink is is implied. It's silent. The ink is permanent. The ink is pronounced with nothing. Just fishdivesurf.com. <laughs> yes, fishdivesurf.com. So uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what your journey is looking like. You know, what surprised you? I have a ton of surprises this year. Uh, and Definitely. I'm sure we'll hear from lots of stories. And maybe, maybe we should yeah. you know, to read some of these on air. We'll get some and read them on air. That'd be fun. So Good idea. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for this episode. And we hope you come back for the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com. Fish Dive Surf.